You are listening to Uncensored Podcast. I am Aisa Tijalo. I am Maimuna Jain. I am Adil Sise. Welcome. Join us every two weeks for deep reflections and chill conversations from our living room couches. Uncensored. Hi, 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 hi. Welcome to episode four of the Uncensored Podcast. And... I haven't gotten there. I'm about to apologize for not posting an episode for for two weeks. For four weeks, actually. That's embarrassing, Alu. What happened to... Po- oh, you guys today, you're not allowed to say procrastination one. Bro, <laughs> I was about to say that, yo. <laughs> exactly. You're not allowed to say it today because, I mean... Yeah, we haven't been keeping up. We haven't been keeping up. Yeah. But thank God we're back and lively. Only sad that we don't have IJ in today. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you and I will hold it down like we've been doing always. Yeah, we will. We will. I feel like I'm the punctual student who never misses classes. Oh, I knew you were going to say something so like that. <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah. The, last, the last one was in, involuntary. I, I don't know. I'm it's okay. This one's too. Yeah, yeah, never mind. It's okay. So, your episode, man. <laughs> Today we have, um, we're talking about women in the media and just how women occupy these spaces and live in these spaces and experience different things they experience um, based on their gender. And we have a guest. So you know what we'll do? Just say something without saying your name and we see who gets it. Um, hello, guest. <laughs> Yes, hello. Can you hear? <laughs> so at this point, everyone just knows. Everyone just knows who's it. But yeah, we have Fatu Elika Moloshi. I hope I'm saying this right. Fatu El, emphasize on the El. Elika. Elika Moloshi. Moloshi. No, she doesn't say Moloshi. There's. Please say your name. You hear the Meloshi, right? How she says yeah, the Meloshi. Just say Meloshi. Every single one of the phonics comes out. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you for joining us. Um, please just tell us who you are. I mean, yeah, but just tell us who you are and how you're feeling. Yes, um, I'm afraid it's a little bit, yeah, the network, but let me try. My name is Fatu Elika Muloshi, and I work at the Gambia Radio and Television Services as an assistant producer, uh, but also, of course, I do alcohol news programs, current affairs, and flag, our flagship programs, both on radio and on TV. And also, you'll see me reporting on a wide range of issues. And that includes, of course, some of the issues we'll uh, be talking about as well today on the on the program. Uh, basically, that's about it. And I'm still passionate about women, you know, you know, you know, into women advocacy, women empowerment, young people, and basically uh, issues surrounding their development and growth. So that's about it in some way. Awesome! You're doing so well. Um, Amazing. Are you, how are you Amazing. feeling? Are you I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm in a happy place. I feel like I feel like I'm in a space where I'm a very troublesome person. I don't like to. I don't like how my mood or how the rest of my actions are going to be 
influenced by someone else. I want to feel like they're from deep down inside of me. And lately I'm in that space where I am in total control. So, mm. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. I'm in a good, I'm in an okay place. Yeah. I wouldn't say good, but I'm in an okay place. And I'm also, re- something I've been happy about is just how people have been holding up for each other during these times. So it's like everyone's really conscious of how the other person's feeling. And it's it's a nice thing. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So, um, Muloshi, I know, <laughs> I know it's been hard for you, you especially, um, with everything that's going on with the pandemic and having to work by force. And I'm not sure how, um, the places in your work or places you go to to work and report on how the places are really conv- like convenient for you guys and the type of work with you do. And if, um, I mean, this you don't have to answer this question, but how do you think how everything has been playing out and your work has had any effect on you? Um, hello? Yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm going to repeat the last part again. I didn't take that Wait, are you calling her on WhatsApp? No. Direct. Yeah. This country is shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, can you hear? Yes, a little bit better now. Yeah, come clearly, yeah. Okay. Um, so, no, I was just, I just wanted to know if you think how the whole environment is at this moment, right? With the type of work with your work environment or when you just go to other places to report. Do you think that these places and how convenient or inconvenient they are is kind of um, messing up with you and um, your health and how you also give in to your work during a crisis in the middle of a pandemic? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that's a very relevant question considering the times we're in now. And when it comes to inconvenience, I think um, that's something we experience in every situation that we find ourselves in, especially during these times of a global pandemic when there is so much uncertainty, you know, when there are a lot of voices you're hearing. And as a matter of fact, if we, if we don't take our time, if we're not cautious, those with the, you know, with the lesser voices will be overshadowed by the powerful ones. And so for us as media personnel, as media practitioners, we have a very crucial role because then we are supposed to represent all these different voices with their powerful voices, whether they're marginalized, you know, from marginalized group, we just have to make sure that there is a balance in our story. And as I speak to you, I'm still at work and it's um, over eight, 35 already, that is because there are stories that need to be told. And often we find ourselves in situations that are super inconvenient because when you look at the pandemic we're faced with, there are procedures that you need to follow, you know, there are protocols that you need to follow. And sometimes they don't go in line with the kind of work we're doing in terms of being on TV and having to cover your face while face masks go out there, you're supposed to interact with people, and your face is all covered up. You know, these are all things that are not easy and are out of our daily routine. But day in, day out, we're trying all we can because we have to bring in these stories. And in these stories also, we have to acknowledge the presence of some marginalized groups whose stories really uh, pretty much very matter. And no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in, whether or not those situations are inconvenient, what we have to do is, you know, represent those voices. And we try to do that. 
because I'm speaking, since this pandemic started, I have basically reported on almost every aspect of, of, of the virus. Since the day it started, to the day the government reported its first case, to where we are uh, now. Even just today, I'm just from doing one about it. So for us, it's a continuous process, and we're aware of the fact that that process is indeed long, and along the line, we're going to have obstacles and unforeseen circumstances that we have to be very much ready to handle no matter the situation. And it's been like that, and it's not the best, but we try to always adjust and build a thick skin, you know, to just make sure that we fit in and our voices do really matter. So the inconvenience is sort of normal to you now, that you cannot, I mean... Because to me, if, because um, we always talk about how things, processes are difficult in Gambia and they're so tedious and mm. it gets to a point where it's, you sort of normalize the inconveniency and mm-hmm. because y- you know it gets to a point where you still have to do it. Right. Yeah, because there's the whole productivity issue and just, you know, it also mm-hmm. proves some sort of, um, What's the word? Superpower if you're doing something difficult, something difficult in a di- difficult situation. Situation, exactly. It's like, you know, you're, you're showing extra strength. And because you do know that, you know, there are these circumstances, like you mentioned, and in order for you to continue being even more productive, you have to normalize those situations. Even though, but in a normal, in a normal setting, it's not supposed to be there because it's inconvenient before you make the work even more difficult. But like you said, in order for you to appear like a superpower, you have to, you know, cut I think all of these inconvenient circumstances surpass these things that we're just saying. I think it all goes it goes all the way back to childhood and women facing different struggles from men in different journeys of their life. Uh, growing up, you didn't only have to do all the chores in the house and for also the male child, but you'd have to do all of that for yourself and the rest of the family and the passing that you are supposed that they're comparing you to in terms of productivity and then it goes from there to not you not uh, all these chores and activities mainly for you as huddles but also you'd go to these institutes that you are supposed to be competing with 
the gender uh the gender that they're comparing you to and you find they're also different from the hotels that you've just passed you find they're sexist people and you find their assaults and misogynistic people so it's and stuff like this have continued to happen and they have been normalized and a lot of people don't want an end to it and, and, and those are those are the people in, it, it's in their favor and mm-hmm. other people that are, that's not in their favor have lost hope in it as well so they have lost hope in yeah so also right um i just cuz yeah. you mentioned about um physical like just having the strength and manpower and we know how these it, this is like part of language but it also connotates really sexist uh, messages because i just can yeah. i i'm guessing that at this time where especially with the um with the curfew in place and everything yeah. there's just the subconscious um i was just saying how we've talked about just having the strength and yeah. manpower capacity to just do the job in the most difficult time but just how these are like normal language we use but they also connotate a lot of sexist um messages because because mm-hmm. i'm guessing that with curfew and just how difficult it is right now to be um in the streets it's the first instinct that a head of a department would have would be to send men out to do the reporting and it i mean it's more visible it's more visibility it's also more um remark because the amount of time you spend at work or the amount of times you appear to be strong to go into difficult situations you get the yeah you get the remarks yeah i think for us Uh, I, 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 I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say something that's joking. But definitely, you know, all these, these are things that people say, you know, might be difficult to change. But I want to be a little bit too hopeful because when you look at this is what we are trying to break now, that the guys are not going to be doing their stories of protests, of, you know, robbery, because they are the men and they are supposed to handle those difficult situations. We can do it too and we are going to go and report those stories as well. And when you take a look at our stories now and how everything is being structured, you know, I wouldn't say it's entirely dismantled. Because when you look at the representation of, of women in the media, you would say like over 50% of the articles of the of the producers, you know, of the directors and the directors as the direct news and the editors are women. But when you come to the representation of those women at the decision-making bodies, at the management level, you have about 40 or less than 40 percent doing that. And that is where another problem comes in. But we are saying that that is not good to continue happening. This is something that we've been seeing happening ever since before we, in fact, came to take to take on. But now we are here, we are going to do it as equally. And even though we don't say, even in our actions, it shows. I think also, one thing that had to play was, you know, the, the level of education as well. Because when you look at the media, a lot of people did not go through media school. A lot of people did not have to even go through any university. 
they just get in some right experience and then they go into the field and they're allowed to go work. And along the line, they expect women to get to get married, you know, at the end of the day, get pregnant. So, you know, and then basically just how society has made it, which, you know, the obvious, that women cannot handle most of these difficult situations. So men are going to be given. So, so now because the education also plays a role, when it comes to promotion, they are left behind. I remember a time that I did a story on, uh, you know, women issues during the um, pandemic, and they were supposed to air during the 8 p.m. bulletin. And then the editor was on the desk that day, and they, they were overwhelmed with stories. They had to drop the story on the woman. Now, when a female editor came the next day or the following Sunday, I did not even tell her. She had to call me and ask, your story on this woman, did it come? I said, no, she made it her priority on that day. So if we had like more female editors also sitting on the table, if we had like more females sitting at the board, more females sitting at the management level, which of course is not happening, I can't even put my hand on a female that is heading any newsroom in this country. I, I don't know if there is any. All I see are mm-hmm. men. And that kind of has a lot of influence in the stories we tell and how we tell those stories. Until we realize the fact that these women also, they have a voice, and they all do much when it comes to promotion and decisions we want to take as institutions. The, the disparity will continue to be there for a long time because the media itself is a very specialized industry looking at when it comes to advertisement, you know, what changes do we want to put out there, who are those we want to be the news anchors. It, you know, it, so if we do not also educate ourselves as women, if we don't know these issues, we would, like you say, we will continue normalizing them and when we see people difficult to even point them out because even though we have an editor who is dropping those stories, we still have a male editor who is in fact championing those stories as well. The level of education is a very important role in terms of the decision that men editors want to take when it comes to those stories and those that those women also will take when they're given those things. Yeah. I mean, I think also, like what you said, how we occupy these spaces, um, that is mainstream media and digital social media as well, it also really determines the kind of stories that get told, how we are represented. Because if, because, I mean, there are a lot of men heading shows about women issues or taking part in discussions about women issues, which is, so if the head of a, that producer is a man, he would assume that he should get men to come and speak on those things. Um, exactly. And rather, on the other hand, if there's a woman there, it could be like, no, this isn't how we're going to be represented. So I think representation is like really, really important. And also for you, because you're, you're like an advocate, so there's an intersection and a very cool one between your profession and your advocacy. So it's in place, even though you don't have certain level of power, decision-making power. So there's also where it stops depending on bureaucracy and respectability politics and all of that bullshit. But also you get where you're in control, you get to say, this is the story I want to tell. And then you push for it to happen. But the... the Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) Go on, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, so just just it all shapes. I think that also you said education, of course, but also how we understand things really shape. Um, the context is we bring in and the stories we tell and it's really important like I, I mean we're talking about occupying spaces that um, are meant to represent women and their voices it because I've always been starting this conversation about he for she's and particularly just having men head conversations on gender-based violence sexual violence mm-hmm. because I see it as a very counterproductive approach because <laughs> yeah because if you're saying by statistics right 80 yeah. percent and this is this this is no not a statistic in any google tab but i'm just saying if it's like you're saying 80 percent of this group of people that is men are responsible for 100 percent of the violence that's happening to these groups, that is women, and then you come and pick out one out of that 80% to teach the other group about that same issue. So it's like my oppressors are coming to the to teach me about the oppression. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And I keep saying this. And I mean, and then we saw the whole issue of a Gambian activist and anti-capitalism, anti-colonialism, pro-colonization, everything, who also um, has attended programs um, on feminism, just being outed as a manipulator and an abuser on women. Because you have the questions in one, it doesn't really matter how educated someone is, as long as they don't understand the context nothing's going to happen they just keep repeating yeah they just keep repeating the violence and also to to what level should we allow men to occupy our spaces because if if you take my space and you already have more social power than i am you take my voice as well that's 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 the bottom line it just comes back to the irony the irony we see happening in our institutions, in our society, and the typical example of what you've mentioned. So, also I was emphasizing on the representation, because if we have more of these, you know, female editors, more of these uh, females, you know, taking charge of those those positions, those uh, positions that are going to determine what stories we tell and how we tell those stories. And even when it comes to the society, right, like you mentioned, when we have women gathered and we're letting the men to take the whole lead where we have a whole, you know, section or a whole community of his, of his own who can actually come up and, and tell these stories from their own perspective, which of course is going to be different from how the other is going to perceive it and, and narrate those stories. It feels like when you tell a guy, go and cover a rape story, and the person tells you, rape for me is not important. I have more interesting stories, like the one that uh, a, a government official is, 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 is involved in. That's when it becomes an insult as a woman, and as a woman who knows and feels that thing. So imagine if we had someone who was going to decide in that, in that situation, whether or not that story was going to be covered. There was a woman. I doubt that a woman would say, I'm sorry, I'm going to go into that other story because rape for me is not important. So the representation of the education goes a long way because you can really understand literally 
what the term well, is, but going right into it and knowing what it impacts it entails and how that needs to be, you know, that, that needs to manifest in our day-to-day lives because of our workplaces. It's very much crucial towards giving women the power and the, the space that they deserve. Definitely, definitely. Women need to be given the platform to present their own realities. Because who, who, who tells a story better than the one facing it? Or the, or the one it's about? So it, it only goes down to giving women platforms and spaces and the right space to share their realities with us. So I think at this point what we need to actually work on is how to take over these mainstream media spaces. And, and, and change the narrative. Right. I mean, I mean that's very important. And like I mentioned in the initial stage, right? Uh, you know, giving women that kind of power in mainstream media. What we see happening in other, you know, in the Western, in the Western mainstream media, because as we speak, it's it's, it's way more advanced than ours when it comes to, you know, women empowerment and how much we allow these women to mm-hmm. be represented in these different spaces. When you come to ours, our culture is that, of course, there are genesis to all of these, but ours is even more uh, complicated and deeply rooted. And when you look at mainstream media, like I said, it, it is a very sexualized industry of it, its own. It definitely Giving is. Giving women back that power will take a very much long time. And it will take just it will take more than just talking about it. It will take the education. It will take the education, and it will take dismantling all these, you know, uh, misconceptions and as well policies that don't even cater for uh, even women those equal opportunities. Imagine if we had policies in our institutions that would need your housing, let's say, so and so positions are open for everybody, but then, you know, even though we want maybe you know so and so people to take part of this to take part in this particular in the development of this particular unit, but the gender unit or the head of the editing or you know this assistant might be a man or a woman. In that aspect, we're creating a space already, and that we're making clear that promotion of given positions will not be based on you know bias or sexism, basically, because when you look at all these different reports, like I mentioned, where, you know, they're given to men because they are supposed to be able to tackle those difficult situations because they are protest, because they, they are vulgarly and, and, and cry. And then you're trying to, you, have, you already have a policy that says that people reported to be assigned, regardless, you know, just regardless. And then we started from there, you know. This way, we, we are already trying to pass a way through uh, going for what we're aiming for, but it is going to be difficult because as it, we have already people who are in these institutions, and those people they come from communities, they, they come from families, they come from an entire part of culture, and those cultures already have have shaped their way of thinking, and to the point that when they come into these institutions, there is a tendency of those habits manifesting. And this is where the problem comes. So it's education. It is education for people when to, to be able to for people to realize that women need their own spaces in these different institutions, including the media, and that whether or not their women's promotion should be based on merit and that is that. 
Yeah, I think I think all of all of this taking over the space goes beyond just the media spaces, but also industries like the music industry, the modeling agency, because right. yeah, uh, you you have you have a whole lot of female models and probably I don't know how they call them, but they, how, how do they call their like you're signed under or something, an agency. So you're signed under an agency, and all these agents, uh, all these agents, uh, uh, who most of the time really ask for how do I call it? They ask for favor in forms of sex or improper relationships to get you to these higher ranks in 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 your agency. We've had we we've had different stories like that, and the music industry as well, where where. Uh, Female artists do not only have to fight for gaining a crowd or a, 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 a huge number of listeners, but going through that fight and also fighting for a 30 minutes timing to record because the producer wants to sleep with you or this label is not going to sign you up unless they sleep with you. Because in all these places you have men that are there. In, 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 yeah, you look at the you look at the music industry and its executives most of them are men and they they they're looking at only few of these they, their only problem is selling the music outside what are you doing for these female artists with really amazing yeah. talent some of them twice as good as your favorite male artists but there's a whole lot of different issues hindering them and you don't see it because you are not in a position well, you are in a position to see it, but because you of don't course. go through these things, mm-hmm. you don't think it is mm-hmm. the big issue. Yeah, I think when we're talking about you know the way forward in fact, the media freedom is in fact very much important, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you mentioned, all these things they all come to play in, in what we are already talking about. When you look at you know the, the, the representation in fact. We are way more, you know, onto the presenter, but also when it comes to protection, when it comes to protection in itself, you, you can't, you would say if a man I women protected, then men, because for the women are going into these different, you know, spaces, and then they have to involve in some sort of, you know, sexual activities for them to gain favors. Who, who, I mean, which of course is it, not fair in every dimension. So when you talk about that, you have to also consider the super pluralism. You know, in terms of how we how we represent and bring all the different strategies and voices on the on the same platter, on a common platter, without having to you know decide those based on prejudices or because of what sex or the community that they come from. So I think once we start looking at those, those core dimensions of media freedom, media pluralism. You know, media representation, all these different aspects that you've mentioned, all of these things come into play in those. And the question is whether those people who are in fact perpetuating those influences, whether they in fact know, whether they come from societies or communities that make them understand that these things they're doing are normal, and whether they see those movies as well, which of course still we're talking about media. So I think it's a broad, broad, you know, discussion that entails a lot of different terms and dimensions. And a lot of the time, all of us that are engaged in these discussions have a role to play. It is educated, we educate ourselves and those around us. And as we speak that, we make what we can into 
and I'm learning from these things that we continue talking about. So uh, education, of course, is the first step to change people's perception. When we are talking about changing knowledge, we're talk, talking about changing perception. We, of course, employ, you know, uh, uh, communication strategies that involve going to the people and educating them and teaching them. But the problem is when you are educating those people and they themselves continue being the offenders or they, they themselves continue being the perpetrators of that which you are educating them again. And that is where the problem comes in. So in as much as we're talking about it and then we're saying that these people should educate and re-educate themselves, let them make sure that what they're saying and what they've been told is that they put into practice because that's the first step towards dismantling these uh, unfavored, you know, um, structures. Okay, it just, uh, just on what you said, it kind of just reminded me to when the Kampebe episode came out, the one that was talking about um, sexual violence and rape, and how everyone came out to said, no, this is wrong. You're not supposed to, this is not how we want to be rep represented. And to them, it was just a bunch of feminists making everything a problem. And to us, it was how we 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 hear of our experiences being being trivialized, being made for fun. But you know, when people, you know, when people with these Okay, so we'll just ask the episode question. And um, okay. so if you were to um, rate just how the media is occupied by women and represented in the Gambia, and this is across everything, right? On Facebook right. with What's on Gambia and their bullshit, and just across all media phases, how would you rate this? Hello? Yep. You're breaking a little bit. Say that again. Okay. So we're going to wrap up, but first we'll ask the episode question, right? How do you, how would you rate the media in the Gambia? How it is occupied? How women are represented? And this is across all types of media, right? Um, digital, social, everywhere. How would you rate it? Yeah. I think when it comes to ratings, I rate it on the scale of, uh, you know, 40 to 60. 40 as a women and 60 because still, yeah, we have women, you know, writers, we have women in different spaces in the media. But still, when it comes to representation in terms of, you know, decision making as a body concerning those different institutions, that is still a big gap that needs to be filled. So, for those 
you know, these things started together, even though the representation of women in the media is changing and our value is growing. And now it's way better than before, before I was, you know, 10, 7 or 10 years back. So, but still, I give them a scale of 40 to 60 because they are still a, a, quite a good number of women that are yet to be represented in these decision-making bodies uh, that involve media, media representation. Um, yeah, how would I read it? <laughs> I read it at 30. 30. What did you say? I'd read it at 30. 30? Okay. Yeah, 30 over 100. I would really give it, I would like really give it a 20. Because it's really messed up. I'll give it a 20. Okay. Okay, fair enough. It's really messed up, right? In terms of the types of things people say, that, that is the stories, in terms of who's telling it, in terms of just... The people doing the work, like their perceptions, and because I feel like there's also a lot, a lot of, a lot of things that needs to be said that aren't being said, and there's also a lot of wrong conversations happening just because it's the wrong people sitting having those conversations. But yeah, yeah. thank you so much thank you. for thank you coming much. with us. With it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. This was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice <laughs> night. Get home safe. Practice All care. Right. Remain. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we have to cut that by, right? Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to close up? Because I'm Just done. Me I'm done. The bike closes. Hmm? The bike closes. <laughs> okay. Oh, how Thank you, you everyone, for joining this episode, the fourth episode of Uncensored Podcast. Um, so the episode question, right? How would you rate the Gambian media in terms of representation and telling the stories of women voices and basically just occupying a lot of spaces that discuss women issues? Um, again, yes, thank you for listening. Uh, you you can follow us on social media, Uncensored GMB everywhere. You can also listen to this on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Peace. Bye. Bye.